Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. You go in a row without ever calling on the name of Jesus. Uh, you know, we go to the wall and we switch on the light switch and we expect the power to come on, right? I want lights when I hit the light switch. Anybody else? And so we know we have access to that power, so we switch on the light. My question this morning is when you, ha- when you know that you have access to the kind of power we have access at the mention of His name, how often do we go throughout a day without switching on that power? I just want to encourage you this week, Lay aside all your fancy prayers because I know some of y'all can pray fancy. Like y'all have got all the these and the thous and the thus and all in the, the kingeth and lordeth and supremeth and all the other thus you can throw in there. How about let's just simplify it this week and pray like this. Jesus. If you need to be healed this week, why don't you just pray this? Jesus. Need a breakthrough in your finances this week? Why don't you just pray like this? I know this is simple, but just pray Jesus. Need to see somebody's life change? Need your atmosphere changed? Just pray Jesus. It works every time. He's as close as the mention of his name. And I think we forget that. Amen. So let's do that together this week. Will anybody join me in that fancy prayer this week? We'll just pray Jesus. All right. Good. All right. Well, the stars of the show were called, their, their names are this. Matt Johnson. Some of y'all don't have a clue who I'm talking about. Not Don Johnson. Matt Johnson, all right, so see some of the 80s folks went, Don Johnson, uh, Matt Johnson, he actually lived in Weatherford for a little while, uh, that's not why he's famous, but he lived in Weatherford for a little while, the other star, his name was John Rainey, Matt Johnson and John Rainey, uh, when they were young, these two guys uh, burglarized, that's a hard word for me to say, I don't know why, they, they broke into homes and businesses as young men, in fact, uh, when you begin to read uh, their, their life history, one of them was bold enough to break into a police station. I don't know why. Well, yeah, I do. Uh, but the, there's all kinds of stuff in a police station. So they broke into a police station. One of them, this cracks me up. Maybe it shouldn't, but it does. Actually stole Corvettes from a Miss America pageant as a young man. All right, so that was their claim to fame. So in 2005, uh, I guess they, they uh, got on the straight and narrow. Both of them decided that probably being a thief wasn't the best occupation in life. So, so in two, they straightened out. And in 2005, Discovery Channel uh, found out about them and employed them to create a show called It Takes a Thief. Now, some of y'all probably never watched this show. I loved this show. This show was awesome. It doesn't play anymore. But the basic premise was this. Because these guys were thieves, they would go into communities and they would uh, set it up with a business or a home and one of the guys would break into the house or the business and they would film him breaking into the house or the business and watch as he would destroy the property and steal all the stuff. Then the other guy would meet with the homeowner or the business owner after the break-in and teach him how to fortify his home or his business so that they could not break in again. So after they would fortify, then the guy that broke in the first time would go try to break in again to see if they had fixed everything that was supposed to be fixed. It was a brilliant show. Right down my alley, all right? So, so uh, not because I'm a thief or anything, but just because I thought it was intriguing, all right? So the basic premise, the idea of the whole show was this. 
in order to catch a thief, you have to be able to think like a thief. So they would spend all this time and energy getting people to stop, to think like a thief so that you could be protected from the thief. All right, are you with me? Some of y'all are going to go Google this afternoon. I understand. Okay, so, so, so here, I want to take you to a couple of accounts this morning uh, to help us understand and to stop thievery in our lives. All right, so, so hang with me. All right, Judges chapter 6. We're going to read verses 1 through 6, and then I'm going to read another passage that's very familiar to you. So just stay with me, and I think you'll understand where I'm headed. Judges chapter 6, beginning of verse 1. Again, the Israelites did what the Lord said was wrong. So for seven years, the Lord handed them over to Midian. Because the Midianites were very powerful and were cruel to Israel, the Israelites made hiding places in the mountains, in the caves, and in safe places. Whenever the Israelites planted crops, the Midianites and the Amalekites and all the other kites from the east would come and attack them. And they camped in the land and destroyed the crops that the Israelites had planted as far away as Gaza. They left nothing for Israel to eat and no sheep, cattle, or donkeys. And the Midianites came with their tents and their animals like swarms of locusts to ruin the land. And there were so many people and camels that they could not be counted. Listen to this. Israel became very poor because of the Midianites, so they cried out to the Lord. Then for our sakes, as just a simple reminder of what we face and, and our adversary, may I remind you of a passage of Scripture that most of you can quote without even thinking. It's John 10.10. 10. Uh, the version that I read this morning is a little bit different, but you know it. I'll, I'll quote it the way we know it here in a second. Uh, th this version says, a thief. The way we know to quote it is the thief, because we know who the A that we're talking about is the, right? The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. And then Jesus says, but I came to give life, life in all of its fullness. Or as you learned it, life more abundantly, Right? Okay, so in Judges chapter 6, Judges chapter 6 is not, an, uh, is not an obscure passage. If you've been a Christian for like uh, 20 seconds, uh, some of y'all been Christians for like 26 years, and you grew up with flannel boards, and uh, some of y'all, see, I knew, I knew, I knew some, some of y'all are like flannel boards, it's like PowerPoint before PowerPoint, okay, it's like, uh, it's, okay, it's like, Never mind. Uh, it was horrible. It was flannel boards. You knew the story of Judges chapter 6. Here's the dilemma with Judges chapter 6. Uh, by the way, I didn't read it because I know you know it so well. Judges chapter 6 is the story of Gideon. Okay? Our bell Lights are going on. I said, ding, I figured it out. Judges chapter 6 is the account of Gideon. So before, maybe even if you've, you've only like been a Christian for maybe a, a, a minute. In fact, you don't even have to be a Christian. Most people know the account of Gideon. Here's our dilemma. We're Americans. Americans love underdogs. I, I mean, that's, that's why, like, the story of the lady that was the last skier going down the hill when they were already giving the awards to everybody else, and she beats them in the Olympics this year, like, out of nowhere. And it, she was, we love that kind of story. We love the curlers, whatever that is, uh, the guys that slide the rocks because it's an underdog. We love the women beating Canada. It's underdog. We love underdogs. That's why we like Rocky. Uh, we love underdogs. Here's the dilemma, though, with that is that we are so... Um, entrapped by this attention to the underdog 
and Gideon's uh, ragtag army that comes against the thousand and wins the victory because, God, we, we get so caught up in all of that that we fail to stop and read the scene that sets up everything for Gideon. And in Judges chapter 6, beginning in verse 1 through 6 that I read to you, we miss some important revelation about what even allowed Gideon to come onto the scene the way he did. We miss it. So this morning what I want to do is I want to go back and I, just, for, just for a couple minutes, I just want us to examine very carefully the scene of this account because I think inside of it there are some tidbits of information that become crucial to us as we face our enemy because you, I, I don't have time to deal with this, but I, I'm just assuming that you understand that we do have an enemy. Okay, three of you. Maybe I do need to take You do understand that we have an enemy, right? So, so in order to better be equipped, to, to be better equipped to fight him, to deal with him, we need to go back and look at the scene. Let, let, let me throw some, some, some stuff on you. I want you to notice in Judges chapter 6 who Gideon is dealing with. If you read the account carefully, what you discover is that Gideon is facing and dealing with thieves. Are, are y'all here? Okay, just want to make sure. All right. Uh, the text does not, go back and read it for yourself in Judges chapter 6, verse 1 through 6. The text never says that the Midianites came in and slaughtered everybody. That's not what it says. They may have, we don't know. It just, it doesn't say that. Never says that. It, 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 it says that the people, the Midianites, would come in at the time of harvest every year and just about the time that the Israelites were going to enjoy the fruit of their labor, the Midianites would show up and destroy and steal their harvest. Right? That's what it says. That's what they did. So, so this continued... Go back to what it says. It discontinued until Scripture makes a very profound statement that we miss. Because it's the backdrop. It says this. They became very poor. It doesn't say that they became slaves. Y'all are quiet on me this morning. Huh? It doesn't say that they lived their life bound by physical chains. It, it, it doesn't say that they were bound. It just simply says that they were poor. Stick with me. This is what I want you to catch this morning. I want you to think about this. I want you to think about how the Midianites operated in this scenario. They didn't exterminate Israelites. They impoverished Israelites. I'm going to say that again because that was better than some of you responded. They didn't exterminate the Israelites. They impoverished the Israelites. And by so doing that, the Israelites, they were working and they were sweating and they were, they were laboring. But every time they were on the brink of a harvest, the enemy would come in and impoverish them. Right? They, so so, so let's, let's break this down. What that means then is this. The, the, the Israelites' defeat was tied directly to the Midianites' strategy to steal from them. They were, they were simply defeated because somebody was stealing their harvest, stealing their hope, stealing their dreams, stealing their destiny. That was how the enemy operated. That's what the Midianites did. 
So now let's fast forward and, and, and let me say this. As you're dealing with people in your life and you're walking around, isn't it easy to notice the killing and the destroying aspect of our enemy? I mean, it's obvious. When you're dealing with the people in this body, when you're dealing with people in your community, it is very obvious when the enemy is on the, on the charge and he, he's, he's running rampant and, and he's bringing about destruction and death, the killing and the destruction, that's very easy, easy to see, right? In fact, we can see it in each other. But what I wanted to come and just stop for a few moments this morning before we enter our next series as people come in for help and as we deal with Easter. Before all of that, I wanted to stop and bring to light and expose the fact that I believe that there are way too many of us walking around impoverished and nobody knows it. We don't even discover it until we try to make a withdrawal. Then when we make, try to make a, an emotional withdrawal from you, we try to make a spiritual withdrawal from you, we try to make a, a, a relational withdrawal from you, all of a sudden we discover we didn't know it. You've been right like in the same role as us for the last six months. We've been saying hello in the lobby. You've been serving in some role here in the church. We don't even know it. But sometimes we, we make, try to make this withdrawal, and all of a sudden we make a, a sudden discovery that you're bankrupt. You're impoverished. And the really bad part of this is that too many of us never connect the dots that if he can steal from us, he will ultimately destroy us. Go back to John 10.10. Jesus, Jesus, I don't know, let's almost start singing again. Uh, He reveals a progression to us. He reveals that our enemy operates this way. He steals, he kills And he destroys. In other words, our destruction typically is started by thievery. Can't get no help. Our our bondage, our, our ultimate dilemma, our ultimate brokenness, our ultimate destruction, his ability to kill us and destroy us starts first with him stealing from us. Because here's the truth, if he can bankrupt you, then the next step is you will be bound, and the final step is you will be buried. If he can bankrupt you, he can bind you, and if he can bind you, he will bury you. So my question this morning then is this, how do you stop a thief? If we know that the enemy, his job description, Jesus was great enough, nice enough, he cared about us enough to give us the actual job description of the devil. We don't have to guess. We don't have to think, well, maybe he does this. Jesus says, this is what he's going to do. He's going to try to steal from you. That's how it all starts. He's going to try to steal from you, and then he's going to try to kill you, and then he's going to try to destroy you. He's not your best friend. He's not your playmate. He doesn't like you. He's out on a path to destroy and to kill you, but he will start it by stealing from you. Then if that's the case, then how do we stop a thief? What are the steps? Okay, so I started thinking about this. And I started thinking about in the natural because oftentimes the natural is just a representative of what takes place in the supernatural. I recognize that. So I began to think about our homes, our natural homes. How do you stop a thief 
from getting into your house? What, what steps do you take other than buying a Rottweiler? What steps are an attack cat, whatever is your fancy, uh, what are your steps to stopping a thief? Well, the first thing I thought of, of in, in the natural is this. According to experts, one of the ways to stop a thief is you don't provide any cover. So I began to read. I was like, well, what does that mean? That means they say what you need to do is you need to go to your house. I, I, I know I'm going to be loaning tools out this way. You go to your house and, and you go to the front of your house and you look at the bushes that are real big and they, 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 they block the view to the front door and they say you go out there and you cut all that down. So there's a clear sight line. Nowhere for the enemy, nowhere for the thief to hide. Right? Okay. I just want to take you back to the account then. Because if we're going to stop the thief in our life, then we've got to quit providing cover. Okay, so let's go back to the account. I just, I don't even have time. I don't, y'all just look at me and say, hey, you don't have time. Just, okay, all right. I, so I'm aware. I don't have the time to, to unpack this completely. I'm just, I'm just going to mention this to you. All right. The Midianites, remember who Gideon's facing? He's facing the Midianites. They're the ones stealing, right? Okay. Do you know who the Midianites were? They were kin. They were kinfolk to the Israelites. Okay, so, so, it is believed that the descendants, the Midianites were descendants of one of Abraham's sons. And not only that, I didn't know this until I looked it up, Moses' wife, was a Midianite. Okay. I don't want to camp out here because I don't have time. But I just want you to understand that if we are not careful, the enemy will use the cover of those that are closest to us to gain access to our lives to steal from us. Why can uncle so-and-so push your buttons and steal your joy quicker than anybody else? Because he's kin to you. See, I used your uncle instead of your wife or your husband because I knew you'd, you'd survive, all right? Okay? So, so, so those closest to us, if we're not careful and we're not on guard, can create security gaps by which the enemy gains access into our lives and steals from us. That's why I keep trying to tell you that your family, if you're not careful, family members can be a, a vulnerability for you. And I keep trying to tell you that love does not equal access. You've got to be wise. You've got to understand that those closest to you, if you're not careful, can cause your guard to come down and the enemy can literally use them to steal from you. Too many of us are allowed, we allow people to operate under the cover of family and friend, but the truth is, is that they're thieves and they steal from you. So, so that's one, one scenario. The other thing is this, there are other kinds of cover too. I, I don't have time to mention them all, I'll just mention a few. We allow the enemy to hide behind excuses. He uses our excuses to provide cover for access. Our preferences, well, they didn't do it the way I wanted them to, and it becomes an issue, and we get hurt, and now all of a sudden he uses it as cover to, to gain access and steal from us. He uses grudges. He uses offenses. He uses entertainment as cover by which the enemy gains access to our life and steals from us. And one of the ways you stop a thief is you remove all the cover, and you live your life out in the open, 
So my question to you this morning is this. What cover are you leaving for the enemy to sneak up on you with? It is quiet up in here. Okay, so let me move on because you didn't like that one. You, you won't like this one. So, so you want to stop a thief, you, you get rid of the cover. But number two, the, the, the experts tell us that one of the best ways to stop a thief in the natural is to find a good neighbor. Sounds like a commercial. Yeah, State Farm, okay. One of the best ways to avoid theft at your natural house is to locate or to employ the assistance of a good neighbor. Because, why? Because a good neighbor can watch when you can't watch. Like when you're asleep, they're watching if they're a good neighbor. When you go on vacation, they're taking, they're watching to see who else. Like when the when the uh, U-Haul pulls up to your house while you're in Hawaii, they know something's not right, and they make the phone call. They're a good neighbor, right? They watch for you. Are you connecting the dots? Are you making the application? Because I believe that what this that that is same, the same truth bears to be to to work out in our spiritual life as well because all around you are people, good people, who can help you guard against the thief because this is the truth. There, we all have blind spots. I don't see everything about Steve. I just see everything about Darren. Right? Y'all missed that. I don't see everything about me, but I can see everything that's going on in Mike's life. Right? That's the way this works. You can't even watch your own life as closely as you need to. You need a good neighbor. There are people all around you that can help you guard against the, 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 the infiltration of the enemy. Listen, people can spot your weaknesses even when you can't. I know you don't have any weaknesses. People can spot your vulnerabilities when you don't even know you have one. Am I right? So we need each other. They, 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 can, they can see the entry points that we have no ability to identify by ourselves. Now, here's the problem. If we're not careful and we're not willing to accept the help of a good neighbor, we turn them into a nosy neighbor. <laughs> and then we spurn them. That's a $2 word that means we push them away. Right? How many of you know that if a thief shows up at your property while you're in Hawaii and they begin to break into your house, that neighbor that you thought was a nosy neighbor because they're always messing with you and always watching for you and always checking on you and I wish they'd stay out of my yard and stay out of my life and just leave me alone. How many of you know you will be thankful for that neighbor if they call the police and save your stuff? Some of y'all been pushing each other away as nosy neighbors when the truth is is that God has positioned them there as a defense against the thief that's trying to steal in your life. And when they pipe up and say, hey, that's a vulnerability. Hey, that's a weakness. Hey, that person you're hanging out with, really, you shouldn't be hanging out with. That person you're dating, you shouldn't be dating. That person that, that's spending, you're, you're spending all your money like this, and I don't like it. And you're going, you're just a nosy neighbor. No, they're a good neighbor. We need good neighbors to help us guard against the thief. The third is this. You need to take inventory. Uh, police tell us that 
And there were police on the property today, by the way. Some of y'all got scared when you pulled in. Then you saw fire trucks and police cars. You're like, what in the world? They're in the kids' room today, all right? Everything's good. Everything's good. They're arresting your kids early so they won't have too late. No. All right. Trying to scare them? No, I'm not playing. So, so police say that one of the, the, the issues when it comes to th- thieves in our homes is that if they break in and steal from us, we can't even find your stuff because you didn't have an inventory. All right, so you're supposed to, like, here's your homework. You're supposed to go home and write an inventory. Now they're even saying take your iPhone. It used to be video camera, but now it's an iPhone. Just go around your house and video the, comp- the contents of your house so that when it shows up in the pawn shop, they can figure out it was yours. Write serial numbers down, right? Okay, let's talk about the spiritual. When's the last time you took inventory spiritually? Because here's my concern. See, you need to go back and and think about your spiritual life and ask this question, have I lost anything? Has anything been stolen from me? Because some of us never take uh, inventory, so we don't even know that about five months ago we lost our joy. And we don't even know it because we haven't taken inventory. I'm preaching right now. Some of us have lost our worship and we don't even know it. We're still coming to church and we're still watching as the worship team worships, but we don't worship anymore and we don't even recognize that we've quit worshiping because we haven't taken inventory to know that we lost our praise because somebody in our family went through something and it hurt us and now we don't want to worship. Okay. Some of us have lost our positive outlook and we used to be the most positive people like people used to avoid us because we were so positive they were like can you literally be this positive all the time like do you wake up smiling what's wrong with you why are you so positive and all of a sudden the thief comes in and steals from us and now we have a negative gloomy outlook and we're we're waiting for the other shoe to drop and we're always thinking somebody's mad we're always thinking somebody's hurt and this is not going to go right and my car's going to break down and my cat's not going to mind and, and all this kind of stuff and there's this gloomy outlook and we don't and we don't even know we've lost our joy the thing that's supposed to set us apart and sustain us and we don't even know we've lost it because we haven't taken inventory if we're going to stop the thief then we need to go out and and spend some time and get alone and say what have I lost have I lost my laugh have I, have I lost, what is it in my life? I just need to notice that it was gone. I'll, listen, you will never get back what the enemy has stolen from you if you don't even know it's gone. So we got to take inventory. But there's one last step, and that is this one. We don't accept absence. If you go back, I didn't read it to you because you know it so well. I intentionally did not read it to you because I didn't want you to get all enthralled by the underdog story that you missed the setting. But if you go back and read the Gideon account, the whole account, the whole account is based on this. Gideon is going back to get what was his. He wanted to defeat the enemy because he was tired of the enemy stealing what was rightfully theirs. Are you with me? So what I'm saying to you then is that you've got to go get it. I don't, uh, too many of us have accepted the, the theft, and although we are not destroyed yet, we have become poor. So we've got to go back and get it. 
too many of us, this is what happens. We survive pain. We survive persecution. We survive betrayal. We, we survive brokenness. We survive abandonment. We survive sickness. We survive struggle. But although we celebrate the survival, we fail to recognize that because of all that stuff, we are poorer than we were before we went through all that stuff. So he doesn't exterminate us. He impoverishes us. We survived the enemy, but he's robbed us of trust. We're poor. We, we survived, but now we're robbed of faith. Because when somebody talks about, you just need to believe God, you wouldn't even say this out loud. But in your mind, you're thinking, I already believed God, and he didn't come through last time. So now I'm robbed of all my faith, and I don't believe anymore. He hasn't bound you yet, but you are impoverished. You're poorer than you were. We, we survived, but he's stolen our joy. We survived, but he steals our peace. We survived, but he steals our worship. We survived, but he steals our, our dance. And out of that, we are set up to be destroyed because we are poor poorer than we were before so the solution is this we got to go back and get what's ours he doesn't kill us but he steals from us and this is what he does check this out back to the story the bible says that every time the israelites would plant their crops and they were about to go get harvest the enemy would come in in other words the enemy steals from us to keep us from our assignment. He will steal from you what you need for your future. Okay? So, so you may be alive, but if you don't have any peace, and you don't have any faith, and you don't have any love, and you have no joy, then how in the world are you going to be able to fulfill the assignment that God has for you if you're so poor because he's stolen all that from you? Let me get really practical. How are you going to change the atmosphere in your office if you don't have anything to change the atmosphere with? How are we going to set up in here and invite people in that want out of their marriages? How are we going to invite them in next Sunday in an environment like this and try to give them hope and tell them that their marriage is not over. And tell them that if they'll allow God to get involved in their marriage, that God can intervene. And that even if it looks hopeless, He can break in and restore and bring hope and, and help. How are we going to do that if we don't even have that alive in our own marriage? Okay. How can you help somebody else? How can you be a change agent in somebody else's life if you've allowed the enemy to steal from you and you're so poor in spirit, so poor in joy, so poor in hope, so poor in peace, so poor in, in, in all these other uh, these things. These, these are, are the harvest. This is the fruit of the Spirit. This is stuff that belongs to us, y'all. This is our inheritance. This is what we work for. This is what we worship for. This is what we believe for. All that stuff is rightfully ours 
I, can, I don't have time, I, but I, let me go back to John 10, 10. He says that I come that you might have life and have life more abundantly. How many of us are living less than abundantly and we've accepted it? But I'm saying to you, it is our rightful inheritance. It is the harvest of the relationship that we have with Jesus. That, that harvest of relationship belongs to us. And if we're living less than that, then the way to stop a thief is to take inventory and say, I'm not living life abundantly, but I'm supposed to be, so I'm fed up and I'm going to go get what belongs to me so this is what it says and then I'll be out of your way it says that they became so poor check this out that they cried out to God Listen, this morning I'm telling you that we need to go back and we need to get rid of the cover and we need to go back and, and in, involve a neighbor and we need to go back and take inventory. But I'm telling you that ultimately it comes to this. You've got to come to this place in your life where when you recognize the lack, then all you can do is you've got to cry out to God and say, God, I need you to restore to me what is rightfully mine. I wished I could give it back to you. I wished I could say, oh, you lost your joy? Hey, I've got a, uh, uh, an extra supply. Let me just give you some joy. I wished I could give you love. I wish I could give you peace. I wish I could give you a million bucks. I don't have any of those things on excess, on demand, where I can just go, mm, here you go. Let's just make a withdrawal, and I'll just transfer it to you. But I know somebody that does. When we cry out to him and we say, God, I need my joy back and I need my strength back and I need my peace back and I need my love back. I've taken inventory and I recognize I'm not as joyful as I should be. I'm not as hopeful as I should be. I'm not as thankful as I should be. I don't have the provision in my life. My marriage isn't what I thought it was going to be. I need your help. And, and we recognize all that and we take it. Then we can come to the place where we cry out to God. And what I've discovered is this, is that God always responds to the cry of desperation. And too many of us are walking around impoverished and we're not crying out to God because we don't even know it. We've become comfortable with a thief stealing from us. So this morning as uh, Julie and the worship team comes just real quickly, we're going to do this a little differently. I want you to get a pen, a pen Get your bulletin out, or if you don't have a bulletin, get one of those tithing envelopes. Um, then get your checkbook out and write a big check. No, that's a joke. Uh, just get one of those tithing envelopes, uh, the ones with the gum in them, because that seems to be the best thing we get in those is gum. Um, get a tithing envelope. And I, I worked, I want to tell you, I'm, I'm, I've been successful in life. Let me tell you where I've worked. You're just going to blow you away. I worked at Hardee's. All right, some of y'all don't have a clue what Hardee's is. That's like Carl's Jr. before it was Carl's Jr. It's Hardee's, all right? I worked at Hardee's, and we had to nightly, every night, my manager would look usually at me because I'm type A perfectionist, and she knew I'd do it right. We had to count every stinking cup, every hamburger patty. Now you know why at the Thunder game I like to be the guy that does the numbers because I'm the guy that did the numbers. Now they know. See, see, they know. I had to go into the stock room and I had to count the napkins, the cups, the white gravy mix, the French fries. I had to count. All right, I'm having flashbacks. 
Because in order for us to accomplish our mission as hearts, we had to know our inventory. Because the last thing you want to do is then pull up and say, I need a biscuit and gravy. And you go, sorry, we don't have any biscuits. We can give you gravy, but we don't have any biscuits. And how many of you know gravy is not good without biscuits? Okay, let's make the point, and then I'll get out your way. If you haven't taken inventory, somebody's going to come along and need to make a withdrawal. And they're not going to find somebody that's killed or destroyed. They're going to find somebody that's impoverished. And you won't have what you need to fulfill your assignment. Our assignment. Listen, y'all. Listen, I'm, I'm trying to help. Our assignment. This is our assignment. To live life more abundantly so that when we run into people that don't have life more abundantly, we can point them to life more abundantly. But if we're not living life more abundantly, then they're never going to live life more abundantly. So we have to take inventory, okay? So this is your inventory sheet. Put some, put some lines on there. I'm going to help you do stock right now. Okay, you're at Hardy's. You're at the Thunder Game doing inventory, right? Let's make three. Let's just do three. Three, three lines because some of y'all got lists of 45. I just need three. All right, top three items right here. I want you to, just for a second, two things. Number one, I want you to take inventory of your life, and I want you to ask, ask yourself this question. What has the enemy stolen from me that I used to have? Write three down, real quick. Real quick. If you don't know, ask your wife. Or your husband. What have I lost? What have I lost? What did I used to have? What did I used to possess that I no longer possess? What is it? Real quick, three things, real quick. Just a moment longer. All right, now I want you to take your pen and make one more line under that, a longer line. Put a star by this line. This one's going to be harder. of two things and it may be the same thing what you're going to do to get it back or who is going to help you get it back they may be one of the same it could be that God is sending you a person a good neighbor that's going to help you identify what's been lost and they're going to help you guard so that you don't continue to lose it but there may be a very practical step you need to take to get back some of you are looking at me like you don't understand so let me just say it like this if I feel like that the enemy has stolen worship from me a practical step would be I turn the radio to a different station and fill my car with worship so that I begin to worship again does that help? another one I, I one of my lists is I lost joy how am I going to get that back? on that one I, I need to write down somebody's name I need to hang out with Dr. Beecher because his laugh is infectious. And as he laughs, it helps me recognize that I haven't laughed in a while. See what I'm saying? It makes sense. Okay, keep working. Keep working. Didn't know you were coming to school. Didn't know you were in homework. So I haven't done work, homework in like a long time. I started to put years on it. Then I realized how long it's been since I've done homework. Okay, homework. All of this is futile. 
you don't take the step that you listed with the star by because if you don't take that step then what you were saying in essence is I'm okay with the enemy stealing the stuff from me and I've, been, I've become comfortable being poorer than I should be Father this morning in very practical ways I pray that you would help us to take one step one step I pray that you would enable us to take a step towards abundance Father I pray that you would help us to identify even if it takes longer than the time I've allotted I, I pray that throughout this day we would take inventory you would send people to help us take inventory of our life and we wouldn't push them away as nosy we would understand that they're on assignment to help us recognize what we've lost I pray today that you would help us to take an inventory. We would remove the cover, whether it's kin folks, friends, entertainment, excuses, preferences. We would remove the cover by which the enemy sneaks up on us. I pray that you would help us, God, to, to employ other people. I pray that they would help us. God, I pray that we would take inventory, and I pray that we would get absolutely frustrated with lack in our life, and we would not accept the absence the harvest that is ours. Father, I pray that what you would do in this body is that you would allow us to become a group of people that are no longer impoverished by our enemy so that as we walk through life and we encounter people in coffee shops and in supermarkets and, and uh, schools and workplaces and just in our daily life in our community, we would be the kind of people that when people come into contact with us, they would recognize that we have a harvest in our life and they would want what we have. And I pray that as we enter this Easter season, moving through March towards April 1st, that you would make us the most contagious people in the world and you would allow us to be so filled with hope and joy and worship and laughter and peace and strength that people all around us would want what we have. I pray that you would accomplish this as we stop the thief in our life declare that we are children of inheritance, children of harvest, and we refuse to settle for anything less. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Would you touch your neighbor right now and say, you've got to do that last step. Come on, take that. Be a nosy neighbor for just a second. Just be a nosy neighbor for just a second. Come on, do the last step. Come on, take the last step. Come on, be a nosy neighbor. One second. Do the last step. Do the last step. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.